Yo, what's up? What's good? What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the IKP, the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. So let's get it started. Let's get it started. I hope everybody doing. I hope everybody out there is doing well and fine. I am doing fine myself. I'm your humble and highly favorite host of the Isaiah Kid Podcast, the IKP, and I'm excited. As you guys can tell, <laughs> I'm excited. Um, we got a lot to tackle today. We got a, we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna dive into some NBA. Steph Curry has just been he's just been going absolutely crazy. He's been going berserk. Um, so I'm gonna I am gonna touch bases with Steph Curry and his latest um heroics versus the 76ers. And you know he's he's playing some terrific basketball. Um, I'm gonna get into Mike Tomlin and the Steelers and so forth. So we got a lot to get into the Cowboys. I'm gonna talk about some. I got some Cowboys talk. So that should be all. That's always very interesting. So we're gonna get into it today. And how about we even do this? And I know a lot of people have been trying to um, keep up with the verdict or tracking the verdict of the Derek Chauvin case, um, where he was he and he was he was he was convicted and found guilty on all three counts uh, of the murder of George Floyd. And I know a lot of people um, are rejoicing and they they feel like a sense of hope. Um, of change of so of sort um, with this with this latest verdict um, and ruling with the with the with the case of George Floyd and his murder. So that's that's you know start with that. But let's move on. Let's go to the NBA, right? And I don't, and I don't want to just breeze past. I I just thought I would bring it up, but I'm gonna go on to the NBA. In the NBA season, I have told you guys this kind of from the jump from the start of the NBA season I already told you guys I said this is going to be a weird NBA season a weird NBA season um the MVP race has been very um odd and strange it's it's taken a lot of turns um yeah the you know the defense the defense that that has been displayed throughout the throughout this NBA season has been historically bad. I think we have four and and just to show you how historically bad defenses have been this year. I think we have four teams that's on pace four offenses to be rated to be rated as the highest offensive ratings in in league history. So. Like four teams, like so that it just goes to show you how, like how historically bad the defenses have been throughout the year, um, and a lot, and uh, and once again, um, star players are going down, going out with injuries. A lot of stars are hurt. That that obviously doesn't help the product, and there's been a lot of blowouts. So if you if you and then with the condensed schedule, but. I think a lot of this with the poor defense, um, with stars getting hurt, a, 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 some of this can be attributed to the condensed schedule. And I do, th- and and this is why I, I'm 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 kind of I'm just so eager to get to the NBA playoffs. I don't know if you guys can tell, but I'm eager to get to the NBA playoffs 
because I feel like then there will be like it'll be regular basketball because this year has been so condensed. Um, It's been so strange and a lot of players are hurt and so forth. I think we'll get back to a a little bit of normalcy uh, per se. But I say all of that to say stars getting hurt. Guys are going out left and right. We got this play-in tournament that I don't agree with. I don't favor. And I'm looking at the Lakers and their state right now. And I'm looking at the I'm looking at the whole entirety of the NBA, right? The Lakers, two of their stars have been out. Two of their superstar players, you know, notable players, Anthony Davis and LeBron James, they have missed significant time. Uh, Anthony Davis hasn't played since, uh, what, since late February. He hasn't played since February. Uh, LeBron James, he got hurt, he got hurt in at, uh, in a March or some, something like that. So these guys have missed a lot of time, right? And Anthony Davis is on schedule. To come back this week, perhaps LeBron James, I would assume he would be healthy and back in the lineup before or prior to the playoffs as we're inching closer and closer. And I'm thinking about it for LeBron's sake. LeBron is, you know, and we and we credit LeBron for having, um, for being so, for so for being so versatile and durable, right? That's what we 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 praise LeBron for his durability and versatility. Both are absolutely exceptional. He's an except he's a he's he's exceptional as far as durability and versatility. Assuming that these guys are back healthy, the Lakers are where you would want them to be. If you like t- take a look back, take like even with Anthony Davis and LeBron James missing a good portion of these games, the Lakers haven't been like they haven't just stunk. Like it's like they like I said, like I said last on, on, on last week's episode. It's like every third game they come out and win and so forth. So like they haven't just been stinking up the joint. They got a couple good victories like, versus Brooklyn. They beat Utah. So they got they got some good victories. And then there's some nights where they just don't have it at all. They just don't have it at all, and they can't hit enough shots. But I think if this Lakers squad is fully healthy, I think they like the cards are in their favor. I feel like the, as far as getting out and winning the Western Conference, look at look at because I I feel like the the Western Conference is really good and it's deep. But I feel like we have a lot. We have some question marks in the Western Conference that I don't think a lot of people are bringing up. Let's first start. And it's not necessarily a question. I think there's question marks and there's things and unknowns that we just don't know in the Western Conference. And yes, it's a deep and a competitive and a great conference. But I do think there is a lot of questions. And let's just start with the with the team with the best record in the conference, the Utah Jazz. I think they have a glaring weakness that nobody talks about. The Utah Jazz have a glaring weakness with their perimeter defense. Their perimeter defense is not that good. 
And I feel like it's a weakness that the Jazz first had, did not address. And I feel like it's a weakness that people don't talk about enough. <laughs> I, I mean, just looking at the Western Conference and who the if like the Jazz, they're the number one seed. Um, I would assume that they would win a round at least. So that would that would automatically, you know, hey, in the second round, who would they have to play? They would have to play somebody of the ilk of the Clippers, the Lakers, the um, perhaps. I, I don't know, perhaps Phoenix, if, you know, if seating changes or so forth, if something happens and seating changes, most likely the the, the, the Jazz are going to have to be able to stop perimeter guys, guys that are on the wings. And I don't think, like I said, I don't think it's a, I don't think this weakness um, is being talked about much, but I feel like, the Utah Jazz and their lack of wing defense may be the very thing that comes back and bite them in the tail in the postseason. Not to say that the Jazz aren't a good team. Not to say that they're not uh, um, well-ly constructed. But they do have a glaring weakness and a weakness where I mean, there's they, they don't have late like I I'm I'm so surprised that people haven't talked about this weakness that the Jazz have. Donovan Mitchell not really the greatest defender. Joe Ingles really not great not really not the greatest defender. Bogdanovich really not the greatest defender. Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, like these guys are not the greatest defenders. So I feel like their wing and perimeter defense is a question. That's a question mark that I have about the Jazz, right? Plus, uh, this is this was the same Utah Jazz team, even though they were missing Bogdanovich in the bubble, but this was the same Jazz team that blew a 3-1 lead in the first round last year. And like I said, no Bogdanovich, and they played the Nuggets, who... Had a great run last year. So, okay. Won't hold that against them. I like Phoenix. I like the Phoenix Suns. I think the Phoenix Suns are legit. I really do. I think they're a legit I think they're a legit threat. Um, Chris Paul, I, I don't have to talk about the Chris Paul effect. We all know how real the Chris Paul effect is. And in my book, I would consider him as an MVP candidate. Um, Devin Booker, you guys know I like Devin Booker's game. I think he doesn't get talked about. Um, uh, he don't get talked about enough. Um, now, Chris Paul is the Chris Paul effect being a bit overstated a little bit, but I think the Chris Paul effect is real, and Devin Booker is legit as well. But my thing with the Phoenix Suns is they're youth. They're very youthful. So this would be a lot of a lot of these guys that they have on this roster. It would be the first time that they're in the playoffs. And secondly, I worry about the Suns' lack of depth. I, I worry about the Suns' lack of depth. Um, I, that's the thing. That's the thing that worries me. Worries me about Phoenix. But I, I a lot of what Phoenix have, I like. It's a lot. It's a, it's some things that they have that I like. Um, not to mention the Nuggets. The Nuggets are without Jamal Murray. I think that I think that's really detrimental. Um, and I think that's gonna hurt them. But even teams like the Clippers, I like the Clippers, but I still have 
some lingering uh reservations about the Clippers. And it's and yes, Rondo kind of feel he right no, not kind of. He does feel that need of of a true point guard that they've been missing. But I'm still very I, I'm still very reluctant to pick the Clippers and put all of my eggs in one basket with the Clippers. So I go back to the Lakers, and the Lakers are going to have a fully rested Anthony Davis. Hopefully, he's fully healthy as well. And they're going to have a fully rested and healthy LeBron James. Hopefully, he's fully healthy, right? The Lakers are in good position to get out the Western Conference. I know people are kind of down on the Lakers at this point, um, given the fact that we don't know how healthy LeBron or AD is going to be. Um, but I feel like they're in good tip-top shape to repeat as Western Conference champions. I feel like they're in good shape to get back to the finals. Um, and it would it, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say they would do it easily. But I feel like there's some there's some question marks within the Western Conference or some injuries um, that has transpired, like with the Nuggets, where I think the path to the NBA Finals for the Lakers, I, I don't feel I feel like it's it's a I'm trying to figure out a word other than easier. The path is much clearer than I think people are actually making it. Like I think I think the path is clear for the Lakers. I think it is. Healthy LeBron, healthy AD. We hope they're healthy. We're ho- hopefully they're healthy. Hopefully both guys are healthy. If both guys are fully healthy, the Lakers are my pick to get out the Western Conference without a shout of a doubt. <clears throat> yeah, and I'm not saying the Lakers don't have um they don't have any weaknesses. I'm not saying that. But I'm just looking at the Western Conference, the landscape of the Western Conference. And you and you ask me, hey, healthy Lakers squad or the field? I'm going to go with the Lakers healthy squad versus the Western Conference. Um, because I just have that much confidence in LeBron and AD when healthy with this Lakers squad. Um, defensively, they're fine. You guys know I'm not the biggest fan of Andre Drummond. Um, and he's ha- and since he's joined the Lakers, I mean he's ha- he's he's looked like Andre Drummond, where some nights he looks really good, and you look at the stats, you're like, oh, he played pretty well, but you, the efficiency is not there. And then it was, it, then he has nights like this past this past game versus the Utah Jazz, where he had eight points and went three for twelve, and he was just absolutely inefficient. So it, I'm not saying the Lakers don't have any weaknesses or don't have anything to worry about necessarily, but I look at the Western Conference and I look at the top tier teams, the top tier teams. Like no disrespect to Dallas, I like Dallas, and you guys know I love Luca, but they're probably not gonna win. They're not. They're not getting to the conference finals. Okay. Um, as much as I like Portland, Portland does not play enough defense. Um, they're not they're not defensive oriented enough to to get to the conference finals, in my opinion. I mean, plus the matchups, the, the the matchups that they could be possibly facing, it does not favor them. So I'm looking. So when I'm talking about the outlook of the Western Conference, I'm mainly talking about 
the Clippers, the Jazz, and the Phoenix Suns, and the Nuggets, even though Denver doesn't really have a chance because they, you know, Jamal Murray. But let's move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, he got an extension. He got extended to 2024. So congratulations to Mike Tomlin. And I must say this, Stiller Stiller Nation do not like me. My comments this past football season about the Steelers, I, I, I always found the Steelers very fraudulent throughout the year. I had a lot of negative stuff to say about the Steelers. And with that, Steeler Nation, or at least a portion of Steeler Nation that listens to this podcast, they do not like me. <laughs> they do not like me. And you know one thing? You know the one you know one thing that kind of like throws me off when certain teams or like coaches or fans or players say uh for example uh, Wildcat Nation like no there's really no like there's certain teams that have a nation of fan bases there's 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 distinct in certain teams that have a nation of fan bases. There, every team does not have a nation of fan base. They don't have a fan base. They don't have a nation of fan bases. They just don't. So it kind of throws me off a little bit, and it, you know, it, it throws a ranch in there when people say, "Oh, di- you know, such and such nation," or, or um, Bobcat Nation, you know, something like that. People, there, there's not a lot of teams that have legitimate fan bases that can call themselves nation. Like there's Cowboy Nation, there's Stiller Nation, there's Laker Nation. But there's not a lot of teams that can say, hey, we have a whole nation of fan bases. Just can't say that. So that kind of throws me off. But as I said, Mike Tomlin got extended by the Steelers. He got extension um to till 2024. And I, like I said, I was I was very critical of the Steelers last year, very. But the one thing that I remain consistent that that I remain consistent on, and that um, I felt like was kind of a bright spot, was Mike Tomlin's resiliency, Mike Tomlin and the job that he's been doing. And I all and, and, and I've been critical of Mike Tomlin before. I I but but. Most of my criticism stems from how he coaches versus the Andy Reeds and the Bill Belichicks. And I and I and I criticize him because of the lack of excuse me, because of the lack of success that he has versus those guys. That's why I criticize Mike Tomlin. But we all know Mike Tomlin in his 14 seasons with the Pittsburgh Steelers, he's never had a losing season, never ever. He's never had a losing season, and he has a record of 145, 78, and 1, right? And so many people, they find ways to – some people think like Mike Tomlin or thought Mike Tomlin was on the hot seat before this year. This year they went 12-4, and four, but we all kind of figured the Steelers really weren't a legit Super Bowl team. 
like as the season went on and as we entered into the postseason, a lot of people thought the still, you know, a lot of people didn't think the Steelers were legit Super Bowl contenders despite their 12 and 4 record. And I say all of this to, I say all of this to say I, I I totally understand and I totally agree with the Steelers signing or extending, excuse me, extending Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin at this point is the glue that holds this whole entire Stiller organization together. And it's no shot towards the Stillers or Big Ben. And maybe it is a shot towards Big Ben. Maybe it is. Because Big Ben, let's be honest, Big Ben hasn't been Big Ben for the last couple of years. This past year, he was awful. It, it, like, if you look at his numbers, like, you look at Big Ben's numbers, it looked like he had a good year, but Big Ben was awful. Big Ben was awful and full of himself and not in the best shape. And everything that I said this past offseason about Big Ben, it came to fruition. And he's, I think he's 37. Let me, can we, can we pull up Big Ben? I think he's 37 or something, but he's a bad 37. Like how old is Big Ben? He's 39. Oh, okay. Excuse me. He's 39. But he he he's an old thirty nine. You look at Brady. Brady's lean, and so forth. Big Ben is just saggy and can't move. Ah, and he was full of himself. But the one thing that consistently holds this Stiller team together is Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin and his presence. Mike Tomlin. I, I played a couple of his post-game clips throughout the regular season, and despite the despite the the hardships that the Steelers faced later on on the latter part of their season, Mike Tomlin was as brutally honest, and he just had a presence about himself. And that's what Mike Tomlin. That's what Mike Tomlin is. Mike Tomlin. He sometimes, like I said, sometimes I criticize him because. He he just falls short versus Andy Reid and Bill Belichick. Once again, Andy Reid is one of the best offensive minds in football. Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. So that's not really a knock, but it's, you know, he just falls short. But you look at these raw you but you look at the Steelers over the last over the last couple years now, over the last few years, Mike Tomlin has overachieved with this team. He truly has. He's he's truly overachieved with this team. Um, the, the the year they went eight and eight, and he had Duck Hodges, Devin Hodges playing as his quarterback. He had Mason Rudolph, all these guys. I mean, and he can he still continued to win as many games as he's good. I mean, you look at guys like Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan can't win a game without Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> I mean, you can, Kyle Shanahan can't win a game without Jimmy Garoppolo. You look at you look at Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick struggles without Tom Brady. And I, I I kid you not, Mike Tomlin remains consistent. He continues to win games, even when Big Ben isn't himself or not even playing. And Big Ben for a lot for especially at the latter part of the year last year was not himself. 
And you think about the still, and I, and I, I have talked about the Stillers and how I think the Stillers are stuck in the past. You romanticize, they romanticize about the past too much. They're letting the past, they're trying to hang on to what has happened and transpired in the past. And I think that has ultimately kind of led to their demise over the last couple of years. Because they're so gun hold and they're so, they, they're so beholden to Big Ben. But Ben Roethlisberger is not the glue. Ben Roethlisberger is not the glue. Mike Tomlin has been the glue that has held this organization together over the last few years. He truly is. Throughout the Antonio Brown drama, throughout the Le'Veon Bell stuff, Mike Tomlin continues to be the glue that holds this franchise together. As simple as that. And I have no problem with the Steelers extending him for another three years. He's never had a losing season. He has a great presence about himself. I feel like as a coach, you need to have a great presence about yourself, especially dealing with grown men. And as I've already mentioned, Mike Tomlin is the glue. He is Elmer's glue. Literally, he's Elmer's glue. He has held this thing together. Steelers can't run the football. Defensive players getting hurt. Ben Roethlisberger is clearly not himself. Mike Tomlin remains true and prevalent, and he remains the glue that keeps everything together. And this leads me to um, let's do let's go on to Dub Nation, <laughs> the Warriors, the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry, Steph Curry has been absolutely phenomenal. Okay, he's been phenomenal. On the season, he's averaging 31 and a, almost 31 and a half points, shooting nearly 50% from the field and 43% from three. Not only that, though, not only that, this tear that Steph Curry has been on, had, that, that he's been on over the last 10 games or so, has been phenomenal. From March 29th, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you guys these numbers. From March 29th to April 19th, right? Steph Curry has been averaging 40 points per game, four and a half assists, six rebounds, but he's shooting nearly 50% from three and 55% from the field and 90%. From the free throw line. He has been phenomenal. And this is all throughout like a, a this stretch is has been incredible. For a 10-game stretch, Steph Curry has looked like the MVP. <laughs> like from from April from, from March 29th to April 19th, he's been phenomenal. And the Warriors have ultimately throughout that stretch. Throughout that 10 game stretch, they're seven and three. They're seven and three since he has lost his mind. <laughs> and and so this goes to this. So people obviously are going to react. 
people obviously are going to go off of and, and, and base it off, base their opinion off of recency bias. And I'm not here to I'm not here to piss on Steph Curry's parade because you guys know um I I, I you guys know I like Steph Curry. I, I like Steph Curry a lot, but but I don't think he's the MVP. Now I do think if this continues at this like at this rate, if he can finish off the season like this and he gets the Warriors to the playoffs, he'd have a legit argument. Like, like he he would have a legit argument, I feel like. He would have a legit argument if he continues on this pace or somewhat around this pace and he's able to get the Warriors into the playoffs. Cause that would be that would be a big year. And you guys know. I was I was tough on Steph. I was difficult. I was like throughout throughout the NBA season, throughout this season, I have been very critical of Steph. And I said, "Hey, Steph, got to get his team to the playoffs." And if even if he doesn't, like if it, if he does not get to the playoffs, if he can't get the Warriors to the playoffs, I won't be. I won't hold that against him. I won't because the the just the, the tear that he's been on has been phenomenal. So if he can't get the Warriors to the playoffs, I won't necessarily hold it against him as much as I initially was. Because if he because initially about a month ago, I was I was going to be very critical of Steph Curry if he couldn't get the Warriors to the playoffs. But this, but this effort, this, this, this tear that he's been on has been remarkable, and it's it's it, it, it's been it's fun to watch. Steph Curry has always been fun to watch. He's a very fun watch. I don't think you can name five of the players that are more fun to watch than Steph Curry. Forget five, maybe even two or three. Like he is exciting, it's exciting. It's the reason why all the kids love him. It's the reason why. Um, he got his own shoe brand. It's a reason why people love like and like to get just to show you how Steph has um just taken over and has gained this huge fan base. When Steph was on pace to winning his back-to-back MVP, right? That 2016 year. 2015, 2016, that year where Steph was on pace and he was gonna and he won his back to back and he won his second of the back-to-back MVPs, people were having legitimate arguments and le- and people were making legitimate cases that Steph Curry was the best player in the world over LeBron James. That's how that that is how incredible he was. And if you look at his shoot, shooting numbers, not just over this stretch, but over the course of this year, you look at his true shooting percentage, you look at all like all of the numbers, you look at those shooting numbers. They're very comparable, and some are even better than the 2016 year where he won MVP unanimously. Unanimously, when he when he won the MVP, MVP, and it was unanimous. Some of his shooting numbers and stats are better this year, but I I think it's also I think it's also important to add context because last night like for instance he went crazy on the 76ers he lost his mind 
He had a fourth quarter, like the last seven, the last seven minutes of that game was the Steph Curry show. Everybody move out the way. It's the Steph Curry show. And he put it on a show. He, he put it on a show. <laughs> but I think it's, it's it's important to add context because the, the 76ers were without Tobias Harris. Their second, I think, to, in my opinion, I think their second best score. And then they were, and then more importantly, they were they were without Ben Simmons, probably their best wing defender. Like Ben Simmons, I, I like this is the thing with Ben Simmons. I think he's, I think his his defensive versatility, as far as people people often say, oh Ben Simmons can he can guard one through five. No, he can't. You look at his numbers. You look at his numbers, defensive numbers versus centers. They aren't. They're not good. Centers shoot at, shoot at a high efficiency when guarded by Ben Simmons. But as far as perimeter defense, Ben Simmons is excellent. He is an excellent perimeter defender, arguably probably the best perimeter defender. But he's an excellent perimeter perimeter defender. The, the, the 76ers didn't have him yesterday to throw at Curry. So, or... Uh, you, it's yesterday now, but it it'll be this this podcast come on Wednesday. That always confuses me. Point is, the 76ers didn't have Ben Simmons. So I think it is important to add some context there. But still, it was a remarkable performance. And it's 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 hard for me to see it's hard for me to see him getting MVP if the Warriors are in the eighth spot. Like as 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 great as a performance. Um, that he's been putting on, like, I mean, it's just been remarkable to watch. I don't think they would give it to Steph over a guy like Nikola Jokic, where the Nuggets may be in fourth place, um, or even Embiid. Some people think, some people still think Embiid is in the conversation. Um, so I don't think he'd necessarily get it over those guys. I do think he should be an MVP candidate. Like he he's a legit MVP candidate in my opinion, but I don't think he's going to get it over those guys and I understand why. And plus, it's important to note that Nikola Jokic has not missed a game. Joel Embiid has missed some games. Um he's missed a good portion of the season and Steph has missed some games. So that's also important to note. But Steph Curry and this tear, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal to watch. And he's just only solidifying the case that he is the best shooter of all time to touch a basketball. And Steph, you guys know, I hold Steph to a high regard as far as his all-time rank. A high regard. And he's only proven it right with this recent stretch of his. (laughs) Okay, so... I'm bouncing back and forth between NFL and NBA, but let's let's go back to the NFL and um, the Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys, right? Dallas Cowboys. Um, they haven't made they haven't made much head waves within the uh, within the free agency market that much. Um, signed a couple guys, low key. Um. Obviously, the Dak Prescott deal, it got done finally. Everybody was just so, like, a, it was just a breath of, uh, just a breath, a breath of fresh air where it was like, whew, okay, finally, the Dak deal is done. Other than that, the Cowboys have made much noise. Um, 
But the draft is approaching, soon approaching. And over the last couple of days, we've been hearing about oh, over the week oh, over the last week or so, we've been hearing about what should the Cowboys do at the 10th pick? If Cal Pitts is there, do they take him? Should they take him? So forth. Now, I'm going to talk about this. This is my opinion as far as what I think the Cowboys should do. It's going to be – It's now I'm going to give you multiple scenarios. If the Cowboys are still at t- – because now there's reports out there that's saying the Cowboys – um, have a lot. They're, they're gaining a lot of interest from different teams calling about the number ten pick. But let's just say the Cowboys keep their number ten pick, and they don't want to trade it. And let's just say, so happily, Kyle Pitts falls to the Cowboys at number ten. There should be no question, no if ands or buts about drafting Cowpits. If Cowpits is there for the Cowboys to take at 10, the Cowboys better run to that podium and draft Cowpits. Now, that's a bit unrealistic. I don't think it's going to happen like that. I don't think it's going to happen like that. I don't think Kyle Pitts is going to drop all the way down to 10. Because if if Kyle Pitts drop all the if he drops all the way down to 10, that means somebody in 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 in, in these teams, the teams that was before the Cowboys that draft before the Cowboys and Kyle Pitts fall to 10, that means those teams and those scouting and those scouting departments did a horrible job. That's all. That's all that means. So if Cal Pitts drops to ten to the Cowboys, and I, 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 I don't see that happening. I think that's very unlikely. I don't see it transpiring that way. But if it did happen, scouting reports. So those, those scout, the scouting department need to be refunded, and it need to be like, like we need to be having some serious conversations on why Cal Pitts dropped to number ten if he does. Now, like I said, I don't think it's gonna happen. But if it does, the Cowboys should draft Kyle Pitts at 10. But under any but given the fact that Kyle Pitts is the best, probably the best prospect in this draft, and he won't go, he won't drop at 10. He won't drop till 10. Realistically, the Cowboys are gonna have options such as Patrick Sertan, um, JC Horn, Caleb Farley. Uh, maybe even Micah Parsons. I think the Cowboys should elect. They should elect to go to the tenth. They should elect to go to defense. Their tenth pick should be allocated towards their defense. Now, Sertan at ten makes the most kind of makes the most sense, even though J.C. Horn is a big. Physical but freakish, freakishly quick DB. You could take him, and like I said, you can take Caleb Far- Farley. Farley got some, got you know, he got some injur- injuries, some questionable injur- injury history. So might be skeptical. Might be a, it, that's that seems like a big risk to take him at ten. 
And then Michael Parsons is the best linebacker in the draft. Michael Parsons is the new age linebacker in this draft. He's the new age linebacker in this draft. He's the new age linebacker that you need in today's game. He can rush the passer. He can make plays in the run game. He can he can also defend the pass. He is the quintessential linebacker that you need and that will thrive over the next over the next five to eight years. He's going to be the linebacker. That type of archetype thrives in the NFL in today's game. So the Cowboys got they got multiple options, and I think. It's kind. Of, it's going to be very hard for them to screw up this pick. I feel like, cause like, like I said, Sertan is still going to be there. Micah Parsons. There's a good chance that Micah Parsons is still going to be there at ten. So, like, maybe even Peninsula. Maybe, maybe even Peninsula, the left tackle out of Oregon. Maybe he is still be there at ten. So it's going to be very hard for the Cowboys to screw up their tenth pick. Right. But besides that, what what else can the Cowboys do to to ensure that they have a successful season? What else can the Cowboys do? I mean, you know, of course, like I said, they signed Dak the big money. Um, their offense when healthy is it it, it, it has the, it has it has the weapons, it has the talent to be very explosive. But what do the Cowboys need to do? I think the coaching with Mike McCarthy and also the defensive coordinator and Dan Quinn, that is going to be a big part. That's going to be very critical and imperative in as to how good this Cowboy team is going to be. But besides the X's and O's, besides... What they do in the draft, I think the Cowboys, they have to look at themselves. The Cowboys must have an identity crisis. They must know, they got, the Cowboys going into week one must know who they are as a football team. They must know who they are as a football team. I feel like that has that has often been the Cowboys' problem over the last several years. And I don't know what I, I kind of I feel like I somewhat know what it is, but I don't know. Offensively, I mean, this team at first a couple years ago was built to run the football. And winning games by running the football because they had the most dominant offensive line with Ezekiel Elliott behind it and so forth. Now that the offensive line is, it's not a bad offensive line, but it's not as dominant as it once was. Ezekiel Elliott's yards per game and his yards per and his yards per curry have gone down every four years. All four like. Zeke's Zeke's yards per game has gone down every year. Each year, his yards per game have gone down. So, can they? So, you got to ask yourself: Can you get back to that level of dominance where you were controlling the line of scrimmage? I don't know. I don't think so, because the offensive line is older. It's good, but it's older. 
but the Cowboys got to get out of this. I feel like they live in this. Some of the cow, some of the Cowboy players live in this reputation of the '90s Cowboys. Some of these guys live in the footsteps of Nate Newton and Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin and Emmitt Smith and Jay Novacek and Larry Allen and Leon Lett and Charles Haley and Deion Sanders and Larry Brown and Kenny Norton. They live in this reputation in this allure of the 90s Cowboys. And it's I'm not saying you can't admire the 90s Cowboys, because you should. You should. They were a great team. Those were some great teams in the early 90s. Those were some great Cowboy teams in the early 90s. But too long... Players, cowboy players, have been indoctrinated into this cowboy allure of living off of past reputation. And the past reputation has not gotten the cowboys far. With the with the talent that they have had over the course of the last 10 to 15 years, the, the living off of the past reputation of the 90s Cowboys have gotten the Cowboys nowhere. Nowhere. And you guys know. Dak, you, you they, they just, they, not even Dak. Let's start with Zeke. For instance, Ezekiel Elliott. Like I said, his yards per game has gone down every each year he's been in the league. It's gone down. He started off as, I mean, he had a great rookie season. He had a rookie season for the ages at the running back position. But since then, it has just gone down, gone down. Zeke has to get that edge back. Zeke has to lose some weight. The fact that we were having conversations throughout the season, people, media personality, TV shows, podcasts, etc., they were having a conversation of whether or not Tony Pollard deserved or whether or not Ezekiel Elliott deserved more carries than Tony Pollard. That should not be a question. The Cowboys defense, I, I don't quite understand Dan Quinn, the Dan Quinn hiring. I mean, for in, for some of his years in Atlanta, Dan Quinn couldn't stop a nosebleed. So I don't quite understand the hiring of Dan Quinn. Hopefully it works out. I mean, I would expect the defense to get a little bit better because it was so bad last year. I was, I'm expecting that it gets a little bit better. But the Cowboy players, I feel like the team itself has to find an identity. They have to find who they are. Besides personnel, obviously, you got to have the personnel. And when you, look at the, when you look up and down on their offense, the offense, they got talent off, and they got talent on defense. There's some talent on defense. I I, I I I sometimes thought last year the talent wasn't usually utilized the correct way. Sometimes the talent wasn't um, put in the best positions to make plays. But also the players on defense last year were just they just weren't good. Jalen Smith just wasn't good. This the secondary just wasn't good. You can't give up four or five hundred yards a game. So the, the Cowboys, I think, for their success. They have to find 
their identity. They got to know who they are going into week one, who they are as a team. Not even going into week one, but going into training camp. They have to know who they are as a football team. They got to know who they are and what they, and what goals they're trying to accomplish. Because continue, continuing just living off of the past Cowboy reputation of Emmett Smith and Michael Irvin and Troy Aikman and Deion Sanders and, 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 and Nate Newton, Larry Allen, Russell Merlin, it, it's not going to get you nowhere. And it hasn't gotten no. It, it hasn't gotten the Cowboys nowhere. It hasn't. They got to get over this. This they got to get over this allure of the '90s Cowboys, as great as they were. You got to get over it. You got to get over this reputation, and you got to create your own legacy. I think, besides personnel, that is what the Cowboys need to do: find an identity. They need to find an identity. They must do that. That's a must. They want to win, and they want to go deep. In, if they they want to win first the division, then win some playoff games. They must find an identity. That is the first step. That's the first step. All right, I'm just going to share some um, final thoughts. Um, so I saw Trevor Lawrence. He was on Twitter, and um, I saw him. He was uh, he he had a quite a lengthy thread. Where he um, he responded to some of the criticism, and as I already stated to you guys on last week's episode, I I found nothing particularly wrong with what he said, um, and the comments that were made, and and this is what he said on Twitter: It seems as if it, it seems as if people are misreading my sentiment. I am internally motivated. I love football as much as, as as much or more than anyone. It's a huge priority priority in my life. Obviously, I am driven to be the best I can be and to maximize my potential and to win. I have a lot of confidence in my work ethic. I love to grind and chase my goals. You can ask anyone who has been in my life. That being said, I am secure on who I am and what I believe. I don't need football to make me feel worthy as a person. I purely love the game and everything that comes with it. The work, the team, the ups and the downs. I am a firm believer in the fact that there is a plan for my life and I'm called to be the best I can be at whatever I am doing. Thanks for thanks to come thanks for coming to my TED Talk. LOL. Okay, so Trevor Lawrence, he said that wonderfully. And this is why I had no worries about the comments that he made um in the Sports Illustrated excerpt, right? Where people went cra- people went berserk. Oh, you can't he, he he can't be great with that mentality. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And the fact that he thinks like this gives me more confidence that Trevor Lawrence is worth every single ounce of the hype absolutely absolutely i i absolutely love this 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 comment and him backing up what he said i love it 
I love it. And it gives me, like I said, it gives me more and more confidence. It gives me more confidence, even more confidence, even though I, I didn't have any concerns. And, and like I told you guys, when I first read, I was like, mm, okay. I raised my eyebrows. It was, it was, it was an eyebrow razor. But then I thought about it. I'm like, no, no, you don't have to have that that Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, just always angry and killer. Like you don't always have to do that. And it, it, it and it's not like he said, I'm not gonna watch film. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna practice. Like it's not like he said that. He said, hey, football doesn't make he basically said football doesn't make me nor break me. I'm confident in what I am and my abilities and what I do. And he's and I like the fact that Trevor Lawrence is he is secure with himself. He is, and I like it. It's a, it was a mature answer and a mature response. I love it, and this is why I think these see these are the things these are the little things that I like in quarterbacks. These are the little things that I like in quarterback. He has faith. He's a faith based man. He and he doesn't any like I said like he said he has confidence. He has confidence in his work ethics. He knows you like, of course, of course, he has great work ethics, work ethics. He's, he's going to be the number one pick. Of course. Yes, he has talent, but you have to you like he had to he he works. He works hard. So the mere fact that people were bashing him before because of these because of the Sports Illustrated stuff. Uh, and then also another thing that I like. This also shows me that he can handle criticism. He can handle criticism because, I, you know, the this this the fame and the notoriety can come at you quick. Because as quick as we built a person up, and this is what society does, as quick as we built a person up, like when you're the underdog. In, in society, this is just society speaking. I, I, I'm just imagine me, society speaking. When you're the underdog, people root for you, people love you, people boast about you, people give you confidence, right? When you're the underdog, then when you get to the top, people feeling people feeling you, people still people still like you, people there's still a likability there, but then when you just at the top for a very long time. And you're just at the top and people are just fatigued and people are just tired because you've been at the top for too long. They're ready to bring you down. So my whole point is, as quick as people built you up, as quick as fans built you up, as quick as the media ourselves built you up, the moment where there is negative, where the play is not as good or you've just been on top for too long, and you've been dominating for too long is the moment people bring you down. So I'm not mad because, and I don't know why we think like, I don't know why, I don't know why we, I don't know why society thinks like this or we have this, I don't know, but it's just, it's just in the nature. It's just human nature, I guess. I don't know, but I, I like human nature. When you're the underdog, people root for you. People love you. Like, oh, yeah. People love. I don't know why. But people love to get behind an underdog story. People love it. Because, like, ah, oh, you know, the underdog, overcome, does this, does that. And then when you get to the top, they're like, oh, okay. We, you know, we like this person. He, you know, at the top. People still celebrate you. But when you've been at the top for too long, 
And when you when you're when you when you are um dominating for too long, oh no, people people get tired. People get tired, people gain fatigue. Like it happens with LeBron. It happens with LeBron. LeBron's been dominating for so long. The NBA, certain people try to just they try to just bring up certain guys. Because there's fatigue. There's LeBron fatigue. I see it in the movie. I, I kind of see it, and I don't want to get too off course here, but I kind of see it in the music industry with Drake. Drake has been dominating for so long. He's been on top for so long. People are just, I feel like there's certain people that's just waiting for this next album, and they're just they're just waiting to say, oh, Drake fell off. And it goes for the same, it just it goes for the same for athletes. And it goes and it could be the same. The said could be same. The same could be said for you know with Trevor Lawrence. As quick as people build you up, they'll tear you back down. So I'm glad that Trevor Lawrence. I this 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 is a sign where he, he this this shows me that he's going to be able to handle the criticisms and the ups and downs because many pe- criticism because many people many people are questioning and many people are wondering how. Is Trevor Lawrence going to respond to losing games? Because let's be honest, as great as Trevor Lawrence is, Jacksonville is going to lose some games. Like Jacksonville is going to lose a lot of games, and Jacksonville is going to lose some games this year. And he's like Trevor Lawrence is probably going to lose more this year than he ever has in his entire life. And people are wondering how is he going to respond to that. And if you're asking me, with these latest comments, even though I didn't have I didn't have too many concerns, but with these latest comments, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be just fine. But I'll catch you guys later. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, I would be back on Saturday. Um, <laughs> I would be back on Saturday. I'm gonna pro- pro- I'll probably give you guys a mock draft. Right before the the NFL draft, I'll probably give you guys a mock draft, another top 10 mock draft of some sort. But without further ado, I'm going to let you guys go. Always remember two choices, one decision. Um, This was a great pod. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I am out. Peace, deuces, enjoy.